Anchor. You can just submit things on there now. So they can go to Anchor and submit stuff to us? They can submit stuff to us, and we can respond to it. Uh, and it's free. It costs nothing, which is pretty sick. Uh, because before, we were just dumping money into a site that would, you know, hold it ransom. I literally had to pay a different site. I had to pay to get in to download our stuff to put it on Anchor. Really? Yeah, I had to pay uh, like $15 because I let it expire to just get our stuff off and put it up on Anchor. And Anchor will never do that. So, all right. Yeah, we just get it all the time. Do you, do you have the app on there? Can we respond through the app? Yeah, you can download the app. You can respond to the things through there. You can edit your podcast through there. You can like you can record it so you can take it to your friend's house and just record it through your phone and post huh. it instantly. And and anyone that eventually chooses to contact us can contact us through there too. So that's Yeah, you can contact us through there. I like that you can uh it, you just put it on there and it puts it on like Spotify and iTunes and Google for you. I don't know. It's made it a lot easier. That's for sure. Yeah. We were, how many hours a week were you putting into like making sure everything got published before? Do you, do you remember? Um, I mean, not a lot of time, but enough time that it's, you know, it's nice having anchor because it's just easier. Okay. See, and this is a switch that I was told about last time, but I, I didn't know that uh, we could communicate with an actual fan base through it. I think that's pretty cool. Yep. Um, and there's advertisements. Yeah. Don't forget about that. You don't even have to have any listeners. So. Yeah. Um, Three, two, one. Welcome back to Cheap Shot Discussions, episode number seven. Seven. We're All not right. going to fuck that up again. Episode number seven, we're almost at the uh, double digits. That's when it starts to get juicy. Yeah. Uh, going on about two months. Uh, have you checked our emails recently to see if anyone sent anything? No one. No one sent anything. That's cool. Thanks, guys. Assholes. Yeah. Um. So we are hoping to get this uh, girl on our podcast. Uh, she's a fitness model person on instagram influencer she's gonna she, be on marin if you're listening if you're not on i swear to god i'm gonna show up i'm gonna show up at the gym i swear to god i'm gonna show up at the gym and i'm gonna be very upset yeah um kind of excited to talk to her uh she she has a unique perspective because i mean she's building this from the ground up on her own and she's a woman and all that stuff. So. Entrepreneurship and just dealing with social media from the female perspective, I'm right. curious to see. Because it's a big difference for guys versus girls. Yeah. Uh, the amount of dick pics being sent. Versus, yeah. Versus what do we get sent? You know, nudes all the time. Oh, man. Wouldn't no. that be the life, huh? Yeah. But nope. nope. You know what we, we get we... sent and said? We get sent lawsuits and... Uh... Or like, hi, what's going on? <laughs> Nothing for the spank bank there. Uh, it's it's fine. I'm married, so yeah. Um, that and like I, I've said uh, to Caden multiple times, uh, I don't need sex anymore because life just fucks me on a daily. Yeah, yeah, so, that's true. Uh, and yeah, so I mean, like uh, we're gonna push forward with this. Hopefully, hopefully you guys are enjoying it. Uh, 
we did manage to consolidate some of our thoughts down into an actual list so we don't just keep circulating back on the same shit over and over again. Yeah, so the first thing that we've pulled up is an article from NPR dated August 6, 2018, if y'all want to go look it up. It was written by Vanessa Romo, uh, and the title is Federal Judge Rules Against Imprisoning Those Who Can't Pay Court Fees. So, Dallas, what do you uh, – what have you listened to this? Like, what are your thoughts? Uh, what, what's I, going on here? So, I, I've i listened to quite a few things, and if you want to look up the Eighth Amendment really quick, yeah. it's more about that than anything else. Uh and I did it, a little research into this. Let me read it for y'all really quick. So the Constitution of the United States, Eighth Amendment states, excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, no cruel or unusual punishments inflicted. So what this uh, judge ruled against was uh, there are several states in the United States, um, and it's probably going to wind up being a Supreme Court case within the next couple years, but... Wow. You have people, uh, different municipalities like cities and stuff within different states and different states themselves. Uh, they'll pull somebody over for like running a stop sign. Right. And they'll give that person their traffic ticket. But then there's uh, a bunch of extra criminal justice fees on top of it that push that ticket from being an $80 infraction to like a $400 infraction. Yeah. And, uh, and then people, especially those uh, that are lower on the poverty line, um, can't pay that like immediately, and they wind up getting a bench warrant issued for them. Yeah. Uh, in order to clear the warrant, there's another fee uh, on top of paying the initial fine and fees. And then if they wind up going to prison and being put on probation, then there's probationary fees on top of like them repaying their other debts. Right. And so it's uh, – the a federal judge was looking at this and said, you know, the Eighth Amendment, you can't have, like, excessive fines towards right. people. And the states were saying, well, that's on the federal level. And this judge was like, no, that's everywhere. Yeah, federal law dictates, like, a baseline of what's acceptable for the nation. Right. So um, I just thought it was really interesting because I was listening to – uh, NPR the other day, and they were talking about that. Uh, they had a, a judge on. Um, unfortunately, I can't remember the name, but they are really, like, their whole stance was, no, we, we should penalize people for breaking these small infractions in the law, you know, because if one time you roll through a stop sign, you might hit a kid yeah, crossing the street or something. So, like, you need to be penalized, but the... Um, penalty needs to fit the infraction. Correct. Like, you know, a $100 ticket for doing a rolling stop at a stop sign? Yeah. Everyone in this country that drives has done a rolling stop. I don't care who you are. You can lie to yourself, but you've done it. Right. And, um, you know, like, it, it should be a fine that's payable that is a deterrent from you doing it again, but it shouldn't be... A four hundred dollar, maybe a step system. Twenty five, the first one, fifty, the next one. Yeah, and that's kind of. Uh, I don't know if that's exactly what this judge was proposing, but they were just saying that it's not okay to uh, 
you park in a non-parking area, okay? You get a ticket. Yeah. A couple hours later, you're not gone. They tow your car. Yep. And so now you have the ticket, the impound fee, and a criminal justice fee for the court system to pay the right. ticket that you already got. Um, standard impound per day is, I think, like three hundred bucks. And o- and this only affects people that make under a hundred grand a year, really. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, anyone making above that will look at it like, my perspective. If I made over a hundred grand a year, I'm looking at it like, oh, it's the fee to do whatever I, to do whatever I want. Right. Here's a thousand bucks. Right. Take oh. it. Like, yeah. So, but you've got people. Um, you know, I everyone's been in a hurry. Everyone's been stressed and stuff and like, oh, I'm just running in for two minutes. Right. You know, and it winds up turning into something else or or whatever. And then you wind up, you come out, you got a parking ticket on your car, your car's not there. Right. Um or you can't afford to get your car registered, you know? And yeah. instead of just paying the fee for not getting your car registered, they pull you over. They give you a ticket for not being uh, having a st- sticker on your plate, and then they impound bully your you. car. They also bully you during the process. Oh, well, not all of the time, but some of the time. Yeah, and, and then they impound your car. So um, now you've got a towing fee, which is separate from the impound fee. Yep. And then you have your ticket. You've got the impound fee. You've got to pay the ticket to get your car out of impound. God knows how long it's going to take you. Like when this happened to me um, – I was like a 19-year-old kid, you know? Yeah. I was like, oh, whatever. I'll just, like, float this registration thing for a while. Right. I got pulled over. Um, car got taken away. This was over 10 years ago, but uh, car got taken away, um, towed. The ticket, I think, was, like, 150 bucks. I didn't have 150 bucks. Right. By the time I got paid, uh, my car had been in the impound lot for a week and back then it was like 75 to a hundred dollars a day or something like that right so i paid my ticket and the fees to my ticket which came out to somewhere around 200 dollars if i remember correctly right and and then i had to go get my car out of impound which is another who knows how it, much, it, a couple it, hundred bucks probably it, it wound up being about another 300 dollars yeah. And that wasn't even including the towing fee, which was $75. Right. So uh, this judge, the way they were talking about it is like, you know, like, yes, people do need to be punished for that. But uh, you have these people that are lower income families that they may not be able to afford to get their car registered right away. Right. And then they get pulled over. And they get their car taken away, and now they don't have a way to get to work to pay the fines, right? Right. And it, it just starts stacking up and stacking up and stacking up, and it's a hole that they can't get out of. And a lot of people will say, like, well, why just follow the law? It's like it's not that simple. Right. You know, if you're making thirty grand a year, you have two kids, and um, you live in L.A. County. California. Right. Oh yeah, fees are astronomical Ooh. for infractions. Well, not just that, like the cost of living in LA period, you know, like $30,000 ain't going to cut it, especially yeah, with two kids. Two, you're impoverished. 2 grand for a studio. Yeah. Like if you're lucky. 
Yeah, and so you're impoverished. Yeah, and and so it, it it's really not a, a simple problem to solve. Like, oh, just don't break the law. It's like, well, you know, um, I need a car to get to work because I work fifty miles away from where I live. Right. And I only get paid thirty grand a year. Yeah. You take my car away. I now make no money. Yep. Yeah, it, it's really reached the point where, and let me say that I love capitalism. I think capitalism is fucking amazing. Free market capitalism is awesome. But at the same time, the only reason it's not a level playing field is because I would say the reason it's not a level playing field primarily is because of the education behind it. Uh, I think if we empowered people to be more independent as far as like financially, it would be a different situation, but we're empowering people to stay dependent on, or, or just capitalism in a way does siphon money from people who are unaware and people who are uneducated. Yeah. And I think if you fix the education problem, capitalism can still thrive, but at least you have a level playing field of people that say, hey, I can make money too. I can do all of this stuff. But capitalism gets very predatorial when it becomes a, you know, when these capitalists can buy out education systems, when they can uh, dictate what you see and what you can't see. And that's where the balance is. It's well, yeah, and I mean, it's like, uh, what's that family that's in charge of Purdue Pharma right now? I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure. They're they are in a shit storm right yeah. now because uh, uh, they're the ones that created OxyContin. Right. And uh, for those of you who don't know, OxyContin is essentially the synth- synthesized legal form of heroin. Yes. Um, and it was uh, marketed in the late. 90s early 2000s as an opioid analgesic for pain and it was marketed as uh, non-habit forming and safe as long as the person was actually experiencing pain now what we've come come to learn is that is not true everyone knows that's not true um this is the first time i've heard this i'm curious uh I forget. You can probably look it up online. Uh, who's in charge of per- Purdue Pharma? Um, but this family, they have their names plastered all over museums and like other nonprofit organizations around the country. And it's like their way of like being like, "Oh, see, look, we're we're good guys." Right. And uh, Purdue Pharma. All of these people um, that they Craig Landau. Is the CEO? No, not not them. The the family that like, I forget what it is. It's a family. It's a family name. Um, that would be Sackler. Yeah, the Sackler family. Yeah. Okay. Um. And all of these institutes that they've donated money to for years to keep this kind of like buried in their name up higher in public opinion. Yeah. Are all giving i they're either giving the money back or not accepting any more donations okay which is in, incredible to think about when you're looking at a nonprofit organization yeah like cuz this family they didn't just donate a $1000 right 
It's they're millions. Millions. It's and hundreds of millions. Yeah, and their their money is being turned down over this. Yeah. So Yeah, it's and, a lot of stuff's and, coming to light. And that's and that, that's honestly like that's part of the their capitalist like regiment because they saw something. They saw it was going to be extremely profitable for them. Uh, they didn't study it long enough, or if they did, they just didn't give a shit about what the adverse effect effects would be later down the road for society. Right. Um, and they just threw this thing out there. They made their money. And uh, I know a couple of them got seen like trying to get on an airplane to go to uh, another country so they can lie low for a while. And it's just, um, it, it's kind of despicable. And that's like the pharmacological side of it. But our state governments and our local municipalities are doing a similar thing by, oh, you uh, raced a yellow light and you lost. Give us $1,000. Right. Or you, you, you did this. You haven't cut your grass. Um. In two weeks, your grass is too long. Give us $400. Yeah, St. George has that. If you don't uh, shovel your sidewalk with snow, yep, you will get fined. Yep. Yeah, and uh, Salt Lake implemented that as well. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and, and those are the stories that don't make the media. Yeah, and uh, it jokes on them, my house doesn't have a sidewalk. Uh, anyway... So it 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 is. It's like capitalism, like seeding its way into other parts of everyday life. Right. You know, there's um, there's no reason why somebody in chronic pain or uh, a cancer patient should be looked at as a dollar sign. You know that, that that's unacceptable. Right. Uh, there's no reason that our citizens that live in. Um, you know, poorer communities. And I'm, this is going to sound like stereotypical, especially coming from a white guy, but you know, a lot of our, our communities that are lower income are African American or Hispanic, just like ethnic communities. Right. And that's where most of these infractions are being dealt out. And there's, there's no reason to be like, sticking those people under the thumb of the government like that in an area where they can't get out. That's why you have people turn into drug money. Yeah. It's, it's honestly a wealth extraction program because you look at all these, uh, corporations and corporations hold the majority of the money, obviously. Um, but then you have situations where the government and it's a tax. If you look at, what the tax rate is, no matter if we got tax cuts or not, our tax rate, the government siphoning probably 80% of the wealth in this country. And that comes from, okay, well, I buy a product from so-and-so company that gets taxed. Well, then the company then has to pay a tax on the money they got from you. Right. And then the taxes perpetuate. And also they have another money gathering system called law enforcement which siphons in more and more money for the system. Right, which is untaxable because it's going straight to the system. Correct. But, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. And for me, personally, when, when you actually 
sit down and look at it and like through your purchases, how much is being taxed through your income tax, through your property tax, through like, you Payroll know, roll taxes. Yeah. Like, like everything. Is all, taxed. When, when you look at all of this. Okay. And then you also look at the, uh, the, the money being brought in through, um, criminal justice fees. Yeah. I would I would much rather have those criminal justice fees just folded into another form of taxation. Yeah. And let the ticket itself be the ticket. Um I I don't really agree that we we need to be taxed more, but the the fact of the matter is we already are. Yes. And Very secretly. It's it's under the it's it's made it, it's put in plain sight as Traffic violations. Yes. Um, it's not necessarily like, hey, we're the government. We're going to tax you 80% of your income. Yeah. And, and so, like, I, I would much rather just have it taxed, like, up front, out there in the open. Yeah. Um, and then the American people will know truly what is happening with their money and, like, right. how much of it's actually being utilized. Like, you go to the pump. You fill up your car. You pay a federal and state tax on that gasoline. Probably about both, 60 cents. Both for infrastructure. Yeah. One for federal highways, one for state highways. Yeah. Um, and then if you live in certain cities, they tax it even further to pay for their roads. And then you still pay other taxes. Right. And I would just rather have that all be out in the open. I would rather see my, my gas come out. At the pump, at what it's actually charged at, right? Um, for the company to make a slight profit, which is because like they wouldn't be doing it if they weren't making a profit. So like, let's say like, uh, you reduce the tax in every area by a dollar per gallon, right? So just to make it easy, I uh, for here I'd rather see my at pump cost be two fifty a gallon. And have the taxes show up on my paycheck. Right. Then I would. Paying it at the pump. Yeah. Right. I feel like it's a much more reasonable way to do things. Yeah. I think. And I think a lot of people are realizing this. The private sector is really realizing this is that transparency is preferred. I mean, I don't know if you use the Facebook app lately, but it's yes. changed considerably. Yeah. It changed to this like. It, it it really made it more focused upon like your friends rather than businesses and like bullshit or whatever you want to call it. Um, but the only reason that happened was because it was demanded of them. Right. And, Absolutely. And the transparency is a big part of it. And I think the more technology, the more social media becomes involved, government has to be transparent. And I think that's the reason we saw this administration is because whether you like Trump or not, we were getting to a which point, I don't, which you don't, <laughs> and I love him. He's my sugar daddy. He gives me money all the time, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the the whole reason we got Trump is because we lacked transparency. So now we can move forward, saying, okay, we need to take a different approach to this, and we need to be more transparent in government because politics is for the people in the end. It's not a business where you can go to make money. We have to kind of re. Stra we recalibrate it. You, you know what's hilarious about that? I mean, like it, 
it's not quite along the same lines, but it is just a thought that popped into my head when you were talking about politics being for the people. You know, like, uh, democracies and republics were set set up to be representative of the people that they're serving. Right. Um, unlike communism or fascism. Right. And uh, on Game of Thrones, spoiler alert here, guys. Uh, this Whoop! Lo- Whoop! <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> Uh, this last episode, the very final episode, you know, uh, Sam stands up and he suggests a democracy and all the nobles just laugh in his face. You know, he's like, why don't we let the people decide who they want to lead them? Right. And this one guy's like, well, let's just ask my horse who he wants to be in power then. Right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and it, I, that's true in a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. Especially yeah, 100% in, an, in, an un, in an uneducated society. That's very true. And it's a, uh, you can make the argument that we live in a democratic society, but your options are over rich guy, rich white guy number one and rich white guy number two. Right, but it comes down to, uh, yeah, it, it comes down to money. It comes down to like, Where? who who is put in your face. Right. Who is put in your face and what puts people in front of your face but money. money? Yeah, absolutely. So democracy in a it, – it's a great thing. It's an amazing thing when transparent, but it's not yes. transparent. And it, and it never will be. I think there can Maybe be. Maybe in the early stages of this country it was, but – I think technology has empowered this to be more transparent in a sense that – people can see several different sources and kind of understand like what they want or what they want to move towards. Uh, because back in the day, back in the seventies, eighties, politicians could go into a room of investors and say one thing and go to another room and say completely different things. Now that we have technology, even uh, established media can't, can't just form a certain opinion. Like people have cell phones. It's like, okay, the mainstream media is telling me one thing, but I see all of this other stuff on true on social media. So I think the more technology becomes relevant, now there's all these people that are like, I've been siphoning money off of the backs of working Americans for years, and I can't do that anymore. And that's where we're going to see a transition in politics. Because it, it really comes down to, and I, I believe that, I guess like evil yin and yang or whatever, like the people that want to manipulate people will go to like the very end of like getting something done or like manipulating people and giving them money. And it's not until like, it's not until it gets to a point where it sucks that people come back and say, Hey, this isn't right. We need to change certain things or. um, Yeah. And I feel, um, Unfortunately, I feel like that's what we got going on in our two-party system. Yeah. Like, every eight years, we switch sides. Yeah. Like, oh, it's becoming too social reformist. We need to go back to our conservative values. Oh, it's becoming too conservative. It's like, no, like, stop electing people that push it too far in one way or the other for you. Fucking pick somebody that you think is going to do a good job. Right. 
even if it's your fucking neighbor, write their name down. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah, I, I agree. I um, so I'll be honest with you. I re-register my political affiliation for voting almost every term because I do look at. I'm not polarized to a certain. I didn't vote for Trump. I uh, I'm but I also feel like I'm very unpolarized. If Trump did things that. I believe were beneficial for the country, I would vote for him. But at the same right. time, I'm not going to look at it and be like, I'm part of this party. I'm going to vote this way. In fact, like I consider myself to be very conservative and I'm actually registered as a Republican. But I look at this new candidate, Andrew Yang, and I think this is a moderate Democrat who's not talking about complete socialism, who's right. not talking about open borders, because I don't want open borders. Um, um, but at the same time, you need someone who's fresh and moderate and you have to keep that open mind. And I feel like people are too polarized in everything. You look at politics, you look at even like video games, Xbox versus PlayStation. You look at phones, Apple versus Samsung. It's divisive. It's all divisive. Yeah, true. When in reality, it really achieves the same thing. But if you can look at it from an unpolarized perspective, Andrew Yang is a Democrat. Cool. That right. kind of paints a picture of what I have to expect as a Republican. Like, oh, he wants all this shit. But if you really listen to it, if you put aside the words and you listen to what his message is, it doesn't become about a bipartisan thing. It becomes about humanity. Right. And uh, we just have too many systems set in place right now that keep us separated whether it be fox news cnn msnbc cbs whatever it is uh it keeps us all very divided and the only reason it keeps us divided is because of money and money we allow it to and we allow it to but primarily money and i've said this like over and over and over again i think that media needs to be a state-run thing hear me out on this The only reason I think it should be a state-run thing is because it can be held accountable by other global state-run media. RT, which, say what you want about RT, Russian television. People will say it's influence. I actually think that it's probably the most unbiased media there is. I I would disagree with you. Okay. I I would say um, from what I've seen. Yeah. And this is going to sound crazy, That's especially fine. coming from um, a veteran of the U.S. Armed Forces. Right. But Al Jazeera okay. is probably one of the most open that I've seen. Okay. I, I would just say if the United States had its own – if you could take the money aspect out of media and say, hey, you're going to get a paycheck whether we get clicks or not. Uh, it's huge. And even if it yeah. is biased, it can be held accountable by other global news organizations. And the other sides of the government. Right. And I think that establishing the media as the fourth branch of government and having checks and balances like the forefathers intended. Because they never intended for social media or news or online. Well, to get yeah, they didn't know about it. They couldn't have even fathomed that. So if a fourth branch of government was established and held accountable by Congress, held accountable by and, – and that really comes down to because the media has direct contact with the public. Congress may not understand it, 
And we need to get young blood in Congress. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Um, That's why I think Ocasio-Cortez, you know, like, I, I don't know that much about her. I feel bad for her, man. I I. I I know that she's getting attacked yes. a lot. It's primarily um, because she has a good heart, but doesn't quite understand the fiscal side of things. And, and I could see that, but she's a fresh set of eyes. Yeah. And that's what we need. I mean, like, I can't name a single senator other than her that's under the age of 50. Yeah. Cory Booker. Well... Yeah, but it's also Cory Booker. Yeah, he's an actor. <laughs> he's like straight like he he's a method actor. We, like. we we uh we did a and d game a few years back and um that was my name. Yeah, Cory Booker was uh Caden's name and he was what what were you lawful evil or I, something like that? I think it was some sort of chaotic I'm not in ca- I think chaotic. It was chaotic. But uh at one point, I remember we we got attacked, and my move was just run run into the woods, like just leave, like nothing. And then I let like five or six turns pass, and I finally came back, <laughs> came back out of nowhere to save the day. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. Yeah, a lot of that was. Uh, it was theater. Uh, yeah, but it was a lot of um, DND. Uh, well, DM. That was my uh, first time playing too. Yeah, That's it was Corey a lot Booker. of it was a lot of uh, DM sympathy towards the party. <laughs> I'll I'll just say that. <laughs> but yeah, Cory Booker, I don't know about him. Um, I I mean, but really, like, think about it. Think about who your senators are in in your state right now. Right. Are they baby boomers? Right. Or are they people that believe the same thing you do, like? I I mean, thank God Jason Chaffetz got removed yeah. from here. I don't know but, about him much. But he just kept getting, like, reelected. And it's just because he was, like, the guy that was already there. Yeah. And, yeah. like, no, this is something you need to critically think about. I I was uh, listening to this um, thing on NPR on my way over here, actually. And they were talking about... Uh, unintended presidents, okay? Yeah. Which are presidents that followed, uh, that were vice presidents, took over the position after a president had died or been assassinated. Right. And it wasn't until recently that, like, the vice president started sharing the same knowledge as the president. It wasn't even that way with World War II. Like, right. that's how new it is. Um, Lyndon Johnson, same thing. Like, it is a really new concept that the the um, vice president has maybe not all of the knowledge, but knows in general what's going on. Right. And a lot of people, they, they pick their running mates because they're like, oh, well, this state's a swing state. Um, we can see where everyone's leaning in these other swing states, but this these people are still on the fence, so I'm going to pick this person right. to pull that state over to my side. And uh, this guy, uh, it, it's called Hidden Presidents. I don't remember the the author, or like not hidden, but it's uh, Unintended Presidents or Accidental Presidents. Um, 
he wrote a whole book about this, and he's like, you know, 2020 is going to be a big election because right. this is the first time that, like, that is really got to be considered because if Trump gets reelected, he's the oldest president we've had. Yeah. Period. That is weird to think about. And, um, like, so there's a good chance that he could have something medically happen yeah. and he could pass away, right. and we would have to have somebody – in that position ready to take over that we actually agree with. Right. What do you think of Mike Pence? I honestly am like, I honestly don't know much about him. Okay. I, I know that he's uh, really homophobic right. to the That's point where he eat, yeah. eats bananas sideways. Um, like Bill Maher said, or whatever his name is. Bill Maher. Yeah. That's but, the biggest, uh, I think we need to stop with, um, but uh, other than that, that's all I know. Yeah. I, I think the big thing is we need to get late night TV out of politics and entertainment out of politics. Um, like Mark Tracy. I, I love Mark Tracy. He's an awesome guy. But a lot of his political viewpoints have been based off of Stephen Colbert, which is a comedy show. And... You know, whether – and that's not a bad thing. Like, it's good to be informed, but I'm saying – We need political satirists. We need to have being separated from entertainment and politics because people don't want to see politics 24-7. Well, and I think political satire is a good thing. Um, it allows people to uh, vent, yeah. you know, uh, but – I, I think it really comes down to the way technology is and all these different issues we have popping up. Is We need to teach our children how to be more discerning. Yeah. Um, it's not even necessarily educational reform because you can't make education like, you know, in high school, like everyone in – the United States, if they complete high school, graduate at the age of 18. Right. But you're like, okay, we're going to implement uh, a politics literacy course or whatever. Right. And so we're like, but what, what class do you get rid of? then right do you get rid of the math that they're going to need for college do you get rid of you know like yeah so it, it's kind of like or, or do you eliminate electives that they can t take like the amount of electives that a person can take so it, it's really got to be in the home you got to teach your kids how to have like critical thinking skills when it yes. comes to politics absolutely and uh i think it's it's either sweden or switzerland that teaches their students, they actually have discovered that their education systems supersedes everywhere in the world because they do a, a couple of different things. One, they tell their public to constantly criticize media. Yes. They should always be critical of media. Yes. And they should always formulate their own opinions. Like, if you're not questioning anything we're saying, you're a fucking idiot. Right. And we fall victim to this in the U.S., like, even though we're different politically, um, like, I, I watch a lot of Fox News, but I also pay attention to other forms of media, and I would assume the same of you. Um, yes. 
we still develop bias based upon the media we're fed. Whereas, well, other, not just that, your own personal belief structure and mor- yeah, morals and moral and moral guidance, right? But that's something. Um, I mean, like that's something that you can change. But not everyone can be a Vulcan, you know. Like, you can't be completely uh, apathetic or have zero emotion towards anything. Right. It's like it, it, that would make you a robot. Right. Which turns into a whole different mess of, you know, like Skynet. Right. <laughs> so I think transparency is a big thing. And I'll be honest with you. I fucking hated Trump when he got in office. I despised every fucking thing he did. And I wanted, I'll be honest with you. I wanted Bernie Sanders to win. That's who I wanted to pull. I, I, I actually voted for uh, Johnson. Gary, Gary Johnson. Johnson. Um, yeah. But Sanders resonated me with a lot. And when Trump came into office, so I don't pay attention to a lot of, I'll listen to, I used to watch the daily White House press briefing every single day, the whole thing. And when I saw the information being relayed versus the information that was being relayed to the public, I started questioning it a little bit. And there's not everything I agree with Trump um, at all. Like he's very much, he's a billionaire. He's got his interests, obviously. Um, But I look at it, and it it really woke me up to thinking, like, even if the media is telling me one thing, Trump's telling me something else, there's some sort of disconnect. There's some sort of something. So it makes me want to Maybe that's just because you're stupid and have few brain cells. Hey, it could be. Who knows? Um, But when I see this... The big thing for me is Trump domestically. I don't give a shit about a lot of the domestic issues, but we need to get this. We need to get trade sorted with China. And even though I don't agree with Trump on a lot of social domestic issues, the the fact of having a businessman and we can have several other businessmen. I'm not saying Trump's the only option. I'm saying we can have other more informed businessmen, but at the same time, we haven't had a leader in a long time that has stood up for the interest of the United States, in my opinion. And uh, the fact that we are now collecting billions of dollars in the treasury from China due to intellectual laws, like we're now finding out that Apple and Google have been siphoning information f- for the Chinese government. That is true. Um, and the fact that this administration is taking a stance on that is something I respect, and I'll give that to them. Um, but at the same time, I'm not going to be a Trump dick sucker. Uh, Why not? It looks so tasty. <laughs> because at the same time... I bet he dips that shit in otter pops. <laughs> he's a capitalist, and he has his own <laughs> interests. But at the same time, um, I think politically... It, it should not mean shit if you have a law degree. It should mean shit if you, if you financially understand how economics works. That should be number one priority. And even though Trump gets economics, there are certain aspects of his personality that are decisive. And they're very, very disruptive into being unified. And I think... Uh, like the border thing. Well, I, I agree a lot of his economic stance and that America has been taken advantage of through trade agreement. But at the same time, uh, he's focused on his own agenda. Whereas other presidents are focused on or other future 
presidents are focused on different agendas. And I think if we have to deal with four or even maybe eight years of Trump, um, God, I hope not to sort out economic issues. Um, primarily because I think Obama was truly in his heart wanted to make a difference. I, I, I think that's true for every president except Trump. Yeah, I really do. Like, I think Bush, like, I, I really feel like, uh, George H.W. Bush, his father, um, I'm not so sure about Reagan. He was before my time. Uh, Very, very similar to Trump. Uh, but you know, like Clinton, Obama, the guys that I'm familiar with that have been around since I've been alive, right? I am 100% certain that they were doing what they felt was right for this country, and solely because they like they they felt like it was the right thing right. to do. I'm not so sure about this guy. So let me say this: the latest interview, and I don't know if you've seen this or not, because typically people don't watch Fox interviews with the president because they feel like it's propaganda. Um, but with this last interview with with President Trump, he specified like he does not want to go to war with Iran, but he's being pressured to go to war with Iran because of Israel. Israel is heavily heavily influencing him to go to war with Iran. So he, here's my deal. Um having been to war uh and having a friend stationed in Israel that chose to join the Israeli military. Mm-hmm. That's Israel's thing. Yeah. I mean like I'm not completely isolationist. If you see like uh like a violation of humanity going on like like right. like the holocaust or right. or the whole rwandan situation back in the 90s if you see that happening you have to intervene but just because one of our allies is like hey man like you got the firepower we don't right that that's not an excuse for us to send more American lives out to to die for the right. sake of another country. But the now, only, now yeah. if there was an aggression right. of Iran towards Israel, mm-hmm. like a, a a solid, like actual, identifiable, like they fucking bombed Israel. Right, right. right. Then we're allies. We're right. obligated to step in at that point. But if it's just a political pressuring. I disagree with it 100%. Right. Political pressuring and, like, politics in general is a dirty game because the president, in a sense, is just a front. And it's a front. I I really think they don't have any power, really. They have power to call out bullshit. That's about it. Because a lot of these advisors, quote-unquote, will say, Mr. President, this is a problem. And it's up to the president to, to decide, is this a problem or not? And where, even though, whatever you think about Trump, the one thing I praise him for is the ability to communicate with the public through social media. He doesn't look at, <laughs> he doesn't look at Twitter as like this, just Twitter. He knows that if he posts something on Twitter, it will be sought after by the media. Right. That, he, that is true. He does identify that. He understands marketing. So I'm looking at him before his presidency. Everyone loved Trump before he was president. Eh, I didn't. 
Right. A lot of people liked him because of his playboy status. Yeah. Like his kind of like don't give a fuck attitude. And I think my my issue with him uh, before his presidency is uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Central Park Five. They're probably too young to remember that. I don't, I don't know that. Uh, it's a it's a case where uh, five young African American men got like they were tried publicly before the court case even took place, right? Mm-hmm. And like Trump was calling for their heads on a spike, right? A few years down the line, they were proven to be innocent of this crime. First of all. He wasn't a lawmaker yeah. or political at that time. He was just a billionaire in New York. Right. And he felt like he had a say in the but proceedings of this trial, and that's fucking ridiculous. Do you think he formulated those own opinions, or he formulated those opinions based on the people he was surrounded by that fed him that information? I I'm not – I can't speak to that. Yeah. I, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, is him – being a private citizen, he's entitled to his opinion. Right. But to, just because he has the money to be able to go on air and influence a decision in a in a ruling like that, right, is fucking ridiculous. I yeah. I guess my perspective is that as a billionaire that he is, he heavily relies on his advisors or his the people surrounding him to give him information. Because that's what the president is, just like a CEO. A CEO does not understand every aspect of a company. He just does not. And, and I would agree with you on the president thing, yeah. but the Central Park Five thing—that is why I do not like him. That that'll have to. I'll I'll look into that. Absolutely. Um, I I believe that every president that we've ever had, the decisions that they have made, I believe that Bush, George W. Bush was a front man. I believe that he was put into power primarily because he was kind of a pushover in a lot of sense. And I can see that. I can see that. And the people that sur- – you can look at his presidency, and you can see the people around him are just predatorial. Stop biting me. You got to be nice, Uzi. Stop it. You got to be nice. Uzi, come here. The joys of trying to do this with a dog. I feel like they want to get someone in the presidency that can be manipulated and be and be. uh, That's true. Yeah. And because if if corporations can influence legislation, that's what matters. And the second that somebody stands up to that, they get attacked. Now, I want to bring into this the Washington Post, which I believe is a absolute piece of shit company. Primarily because it is owned by Jeff Bezos, who is a okay. billionaire. And I think that... So he has his own influence on it. He has influence on it. Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world. Why would not he want to influence politics to be in his favor? He's pushing for socialism. Why would he push for socialism except the fact that no one could compete with him after that? There cannot be a... Uh, there cannot be competition, so... There are certain things I see, and a lot of it is I try to be as unpolarized as I can be, and I try to look at as many sources as I can, like Fox News, CNN, Washington Post, New York Times, uh, CSNBC, or CBS, what, you know, whatever. 
it's getting a broad overview of everything that there is and saying, okay, I believe this, I don't believe this, but there's still a little bit of gray area. And I think polarizing ourselves by saying we hate this person, we dislike this person, we love this person, we don't know these people. We have no idea. Like, even though we identify with these certain people, a lot of people say, I love Bernie Sanders, I love Joe Biden, I love Trump, I love Obama, whoever. We don't know these fucking people. And it's actually, very true. actually, all that we see is what we're fed through the media. So if we can see that Fox News, CNN, NBC, CBS are all influenced by money, which I think your wife brought up that some sort of article saying that we're a lot of big companies are influenced by money. That's the, that's the primary focus we need to, to focus on is that we need to get the money out of media. And if we get the money out of media, we'll get the truth. And the truth is what matters. Like 110%. I, I agree. But um, I also really agree with freedom, freedom of the press, which is why I don't think it should be state run. Right. I think I think they should be able to be. Uh, I think they should have checks and balances. Yeah. But I honestly think like they shouldn't be. Uh, I they should not be a branch of the government. So this is my idea: the fourth branch of the government, being the media, can still have private sector competitors. So. Just like Russian TV, there are other branches of Russian media that challenge Russian TV. And I think that's healthy. But I also think there should be a mainstream media way of putting out what the government says so you can make the decision if it's false or not. Okay. Uh, just like the White House. So the White House YouTube page, uh, I follow that. as I, I try to watch as much as I can because it's the media directly put out by the White House. Okay. But if it was put in a mainstream perspective where CNN, Fox could challenge that, I think that would be healthier because then people could make the decision for themselves. And But at the same time, even if people make the decisions for themselves, they can be manipulated into thinking one way is correct or not through influence, through money, through power. Um, so even like – I'm so, going to be honest with you. I think 75% of U.S. Americans are dumb as shit because they're not informed. I, I'm inclined to agree with you. Like, they just take what's given to them and right. they're, they're happy with it. We need to implement a system like Sweden where in, in, in school we are taught to criticize every side of government, no matter what political affiliation you are. Yeah. Um, so – Going along with the media track, uh, I would like to know how uh, social media fits into this through your perspective. But first, I'm going to go to uh, a really quick thing, um, kind of a hard shift of gears for a second. So there's this company locally that I got my concealed carry holster from. Uh, they're called Stealth Gear USA. And we're not sponsored by them. Uh, this is not an ad. This is uh, just me talking based off of my own personal experience with these guys. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I bought a holster from them that is fit exactly like it's a custom mold to the firearm that you want it to be for. And 
I recently had part of that holster break and a quick email and a picture of the damage done. I I sent that to them and they within a couple weeks sent me a new one and it's like it's probably some of the best customer service I've had. Uh my only complaint would be is like I hadn't heard back from them. So like I sent them another email because I hadn't heard back <laughs> back from them. <laughs> so I'm hoping that they don't send me a second holster because I'm like I, I I uh, I just I don't want to take advantage of the company like that. So they they need to be better about responding to uh, warranty issues. Yeah. But they honestly like no questions asked. I sent this picture in. I was like, you know, I bought this from you in this year. Uh, this is the type of gun it's it's for. Yeah. And two and a half weeks later. On my doorstep, via mail, I didn't even have to go to their storefront. It was sent straight to me. Yeah. And See, I think that's the value of uh, free market capitalism is that if a company treats you like shit, if you incentivize – so if you incentivize a lot of companies to come here, they're going to have to compete with each other. Yeah. And, And if you're treated like shit, you're going to go to another company. And I think a lot of companies are starting to realize that. Um, but yeah, just after this experience alone, yeah, I will hands down recommend this company. If somebody's like, Hey, I'm looking for a concealed carry holster, you know, I will be like stealth gear USA. Right. And we're not sponsored by them. I'm, I just want to make that very clear. Yeah. Um, but their customer service during my initial purchase was really well. Yeah. But this follow-up with the warranty issue, like, they give you a warranty on, on your product. Right. And, like, zero questions asked. Right. I could have thrown this thing into a fucking wood chipper, right. and they would have given me a new one. And that is amazing. Yeah. I think that's uh, – absolutely. Um, and a big reason I believe personally – we need to have some sort of value added tax, like Andrew Yang says, where these huge companies get taxed based on turning to automation. Yes. But at the same time, taxing these small businesses 40% detracts from competition. And competition is so important because competition it makes grows it, the economy. It, it grows the economy, but it makes the customer experience better. So, yes. So, like, if you if there were more competitions to the holster company, like maybe a small company says, "I'm not getting taxed as much. I'm going to start a company in the U.S. and compete with the big guys." Well, if the big guys treat you like shit, then you can go to these smaller guys and be like, "Oh, and they need your business, so yeah. they're going to like work for you." For right. You. Right. Um, so I think a value added tax for companies like Amazon who have grown to. I mean, ridiculous proportions, right? Capitalism at its greatest. I mean, they know how to do it and it greatly comes down to knowledge. But at the same flip coin, no one is being born. No one is equal as much as we want to say we're all equal intellectually. We're not all equal. And there are going to be people that are higher intelligence that are going to take advantage of people with less intelligence. Well, and and not just that. Like you also have um, 
the circumstances of starting off right. uh, that changes your ability to influence the area around you. But um, I think it's like a cyanide and happiness comic yeah. uh, strip. It, yeah. it, it, uh, no, it's, um, oh fuck. I can't remember, but it's like basically explains life as if it were an RPG in a video game. Okay. And it was like, you know, us is easy mode. Europe's easy mode. Right. And then like, it's like, oh, this is like normal difficulty is like your, uh, quote unquote second world countries and then like your third current world countries is like expert level (laughs) level you know like you might have somebody in uh the backwoods of uganda that's just super super intelligent like mensa level smart right but their starting station in life will maybe only allow them to achieve what a high school graduate does right here in the u.s yeah and um, so th- that that's a huge influence on what what you're able to do. But anyway, back back to this uh, social media thing. I um I wanted to get your input on how. I mean, like we all know that like there's this thing where like some people the the Mueller report and all this uh, like oh all Russian investigations. Y- yeah, like yeah. so we know that Russia. It, influence the election via social media but we don't know if there was collusion or not and there's still like a lot of like waffling on that yeah and that's not what i'm going after um i'm just going after like uh what your intake on how social media should be handled with the overall like how you're saying media is or like should be um checked so, and balanced so i think for one um and i'll give this to facebook Facebook is paving the way for a more broad perspective, whereas – because a lot of these other social media giants, you have to take into account they're in in Silicon Valley, and they're heavily influenced upon the environment they're in. And that's one of the main reasons I disagree with popular vote. And I agree that the Electoral College is a good method is because – is because – if we go to popular vote, the election is going to be determined be determined by three places: Los Angeles County, uh, New York City, and Texas. Okay. And more people are colonized towards those areas, and it's much easier to create a political bias among environment so we can paint a perspective of like the world is this way in la everyone is fairly liberal in la because the media is focused on certain aspects and i think that the only reason i think that the electoral college is important is because media has influence over the environment they're in and if more people are populated towards those areas and media has influence over them they can be uh swayed they can be swayed in a big in a big way. And I think that's a lot of what we're seeing with um, not all Democrats, but very, very radical Democrats or very far left Democrats that want open borders primarily because if they create this environment of open borders, they can then say, we are the party that wanted that. And they grab those votes. Okay. Um, And I think, 
So what is exactly is your issue with open borders? My biggest issue from financially, if we have an influx of people coming in that we can't keep up with economically, mm-hmm. us as U.S. citizens have to degrade our salaries, have to degrade our quality of living to accommodate for more people coming in. I love immigrants. I want immigrants to come into the country, but there is a growth that has to happen with jobs. If our job, if, if people are coming in faster than job growth, we're going to experience uh, decline in pay, decline in how companies can treat us. Whereas if there's a controlled environment of people coming in and companies only have a limited pool, to, I, I see it now, like as somebody who is in the tech industry and has certifications, I'm now Compared five years ago, and I was younger five years ago, obviously, but I feel you like you don't say. I feel like I'm, <laughs> I feel like I'm more valuable now, because companies look at me as like, this guy knows something I don't have, rather than if we have an influx of uh, growth in our uh, population from immigrants, they can mm-hmm. then say, oh, you're just another person. We can hire you and just work you into the ground. And we don't have to pay you any money because there's so many people. Oh, man. That's that's exactly how I felt in the military. Uh, anyway. it's just, uh, And I think the same with the military. I think the fact that they keep recruiting people, I think there should be a hard limit. Imagine if there was a hard limit on members and you had to be in a waiting line. You couldn't be like, I want to join. Here you go. Join. Well, you're just another fucking number. We'll treat you however we want. But if there's a limited number of people, like maybe this hard limit of people can join, it changes the dynamic of how they can treat you. Um, I can see that. But at the same time, like, I feel like the way it's, it's structured is, you know, America is a, a country that's pretty much been continuously at war since its inception. Correct. We need the bodies, and that sounds horrible to call them bodies, but like, like literally, we need bodies. Okay, but would you rather have? I guess on a like that's exactly how they talk to you too. Like when there's like uh, some sort of working party that needs to take place, like oh, we need to move this shit from, you know, Connex Box B and lot number four to like. Connex box A and lot number sixty-seven. Yeah, they they will walk into a company of men yeah. and women and say, "I need five bodies." They literally say that, right? Because they could get more if they needed to. Yeah, or they can just tell you to fucking do it. Yeah, they're looking for volunteers. Right, but um, yeah. So like social media. Another thing I wanted to talk uh, touch on with social media is uh, um, its influence over how our youth are today. Like suicide rates are really yes, really high. Yeah. Um, Especially like we don't fully comprehend the mindset these younger people are in. Yeah, and you know, like when when I was growing up, like if I had a bully at school. I, I don't really remember having a bully at school. Maybe I was the bully at school. I don't think I was, right. but um, if I if I had an issue at school, it ended at school. Right. I got on the bus. I went home, watched some Simpsons, did my homework, 
and didn't have to think about it until I went back to school the next day. Right. Um, now it's constant. Yeah, social media is allowing it to follow children home, essentially. Yeah. So, like, I, I just my, – my point of view on that is, again, it comes down to good parenting. Yes, and, absolutely. That's what it stems to, in my opinion. Yeah, so, like, you know, you're going to have bullies. Kids out there are assholes. I mean, come on. Take a five-year-old kid anywhere. Yep. A- anywhere. Like, they have a zero filter, and they will make people feel like shit if they, like, look or sound like shit. Right. But when it comes to um, schoolyard bullying and um, online bullying, I don't have kids yet, but... The- the way I see it is if my kid uh, start when I do have kids uh, starts to exhibit like symptoms or like tell me about like oh this kid's picking at me at school and now they're picking at me on picking on me at, on Facebook right delete your fucking Facebook yes I'm gonna tell my kid like okay then no more Facebook right it's building the strong character to determine whether that's beneficial or not to yeah. your life go go make go make friends with your neighbor like the neighbor's kid right you know like that's what i did when i was growing up but um yeah there, there's been a huge huge increase of suicides in like the preteen, early adolescent right age group like junior high middle school right because of this yeah and um they're confused yeah, I mean, like, your hormones are going crazy. Your body's, like, like growing like a weed. You, you, like, your brain is in its prime developmental state to be able to receive information and knowledge. Yeah. And if you have somebody being rude to you at school, and then you have somebody being rude to you at home, like, it... You're internalizing a lot of that. Yes. And um, I, I I mean, like, I don't know. Uh, it's a fine line because yep. you have to allow, allow your kids some autonomy, right? Yep. But you also have to um, make a open line of communication to where they feel comfortable talking to you about like, Hey, this kid at school's given me a hard fucking time. Right. And like, like I, I feel like shit constantly because of this person. Yeah. Well, first of all, let's eliminate the influence of that person over you by eliminating this. Right. And then second of all, what the fuck is that kid's name? I'm going to go kick the shit out of him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> like, uh, but I don't know, man. Like that—that that was something we covered in my nursing class uh, recently. Was just uh, suicide rates with uh, younger kids, like fourteen, twelve, yeah. twelve to like fifteen. It's because a lot of it is because they're being influenced by alternative media viewpoints, and they don't know what to believe, and they create them. They, they they put themselves in this world where they don't know what to believe. They don't know all of, especially like super young people. And one of the big points, I think now especially a big talking point 
or something that's very relevant among young people is like abortion. Okay. Yeah. Pro-life versus abortion. And my personal belief, um, where do you fall on them on abortion versus, I think if it's rape or unintentional before first trimester, I agree. Um, this is my standpoint as a personal belief. I was adopted. Okay. Um, if my birth mother would have decided that abortion was an option rather than an adoption, I wouldn't be here today. And I want to be here more than anything. And my, my viewpoint is that, look, I get unintentional pregnancy through rape or whatever, but there are also things like if you want to have sex all the time, that's fine. Use a fucking condom. The fact that there is media propagating to young people that this is like you go through Snapchat. It's like why I don't use a condom type thing. <laughs> and it perpetuates to these young people like, oh, because I, I like chl- chlamydia because I like the feeling of having my penis. Like, well, Yeah, I get that. But you're also running into risk. You can't as a businessman be like, let me halt you right there for a second. Yeah. So if that's the argument for um, younger people not using condoms or prophylactic measures. Okay. Uh, do you think that their parents should just buy them like a fleshlight? No, I think that from an early on, especially in today's society, I think that sex is too – it's perpetuated as like the most important thing. And I can the, see that. And the fact that it's perpetuated as the most important thing means people want to have sex all the time. That's fine. That's your decision. Whatever. But at the same time, if you're going without a condom, if you're going like bareback, realize there's consequences to actions. Absolutely. And the fact that there's this option to just abort something, whether you plan to have it or not, you took the risk in the first place. Okay. And that's my argument in the first place. Like – as me, as being a young adult, I'll use a condom because I don't want to have a kid. Okay. So I kind of have a different outlook on it. Okay. And, um, you know, we may not be friends after this. No, we will be because we're adults and we can have discussions. Cheap shot discussions, actually. Um, but every single one of my sisters except for one, and I have five. Yeah. Got pregnant before the end of high school. Okay. They carried those children to term. Okay. Um, my nieces and nephews are great. I love them. Yep. But the fact that it took one of my sisters 16 years to get a bachelor's degree because of that. Right. I mean, um, you know. It's, like, it's not, they're not ready for it. Yeah. And, and you it is a consequence of doing that. And, uh, the fact that, that like that, maybe that consequence didn't need to take place. I can see some people having an argument for Yeah. my thing on abortion is, um, I don't think it should be outlawed after the first trimester right? or, or okay. whatever. Um, for a few reasons. Okay. Uh, First of all, there's genetic conditions that may be wrong with the child that can't be picked up until the second trimester. Right. Like if you're pregnant and you have a kid that may be 
has like not down syndrome but like anencephaly okay okay that's something that's really hard to at least from what i know uh hard to pick up within the first trimester okay anencephaly is you don't have the top of your skull your brain is exposed right you make abortion illegal after 12 weeks or 16 weeks or whatever. I'm saying primarily third trimester right before birth is what that's I That's a, a big... really uncommon thing. And that's what I have a big problem with, though. Even though it's uncommon, there are certain people that are still pushing for it up until the day of. And that's where I kind of draw the line is because I believe you should have, as an American, you should have individual right um, – Government shouldn't get should not get involved with your personal decisions, um, but at the same time, I feel like there needs to be, and it comes back to education. There's not enough sex education in this country. Oh no! Like Utah teaches abstinence, abstinence only. So where do we go to? Pornography. That's in in Utah. Slap them with the dick. Slap them with yeah, the dick. In yeah. Utah, we're the highest uh, pornography consumption per capita in the world. At least we're number one in something. At least we're number one in something. But I'm saying that we need to be more transparent with sex. We need to be transparent with what it is. And it, I agree. It comes down to education. And I think that... Like knowing the biological component of yes. it isn't enough. Right. In my opinion. Right. Like, like you can ask a 10th grader... Maybe even a ninth grader. I don't know when they like start teaching it, but well, fifth what, grade, about fifth grade is when I got it. But uh, well, they start teaching maturation at that point. Like right. your your germ cells and stuff are starting to mat- mature, and you're starting to be in a place where you can get pregnant. Right. But the actual physiological components of getting pregnant, like sperm meets egg, right. gets into egg egg implants blah 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 i don't think that's enough um i 100 percent agree because like you can know the biology of something you can you can know that one like and pass test on it which is what they want you to do in school but you have kids that you know the their frontal lobes aren't developed man like right they can't critically think, you know, and most teenagers uh, don't have STDs. Right. They haven't been around the block enough, you right. know, so to speak. Yeah. As weird as that may sound. but And they don't really know what they are either. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like their hormones are going crazy and they like they feel like they love this person and um, they, they're, they're going to be physical with them. You need to teach them how to avoid that circumstance with the physicality. So let me like, ask you. This is how it works. This is how you prevent it from happening. Right. Let me ask you this. Uh, there was a new sex education law passed in California recently. And within elementary school age, they are being now taught that gender is fluid at a very young age. Um. And they're taught that um, they don't need to identify with genders, and they're questioned on their sexuality at that age. How do you feel about that? 
I don't think they should be questioned. Like, I, I, I feel like that's ask, like asking somebody to stand up in the middle of a class and be like, what religion are you? Well, it's more so um, like these teachers are coming into these young kids and saying like introducing these ideas of being like, you don't have to be male if you don't want to. You can be whatever so, you want to be. So I don't necessarily agree, disagree with that. Okay. Um, I think it should be something that's handled at – uh more of like a high school level okay maybe um but not like not like elementary we're talking fifth grade they're being sat down with people saying yeah no like are that. you sure you feel like you're this gender are you sure? like i feel like especially because their brain kids not don't developed. know yeah they're not developed they're easily swayed i i have a friend of mine who's transgender uh his name's jamie was born as Laura. Okay. And excellent guy. Yeah. One of the best guys I know. And if not for the transgender thing, I would say, like, they should be nominated as a saint for the Catholic Church. Yeah. But since it's the Catholics, then, you know. But, yeah. Well, who knows? Uh, we'll get into that, too, with uh, this whole other topic I want to talk about. Anyway, uh, yeah, D- Jamie... I grew up my whole life knowing Jamie as Laura, and I still slip up on that sometimes. Yeah. Like, I knew them for 10-plus years as Laura. Right. It wasn't until, like, so I remember in high school, um, Laura, quote-unquote, was kind of like, I, I think I might be gay. And it's like... Yeah, I could see that, you know. It wasn't really until he hit his 20s that he started going like, well, I think I'm actually a a male underneath all this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, your brain is developing until until you're about 25, 26 years old. And... Jamie started saving up to move forward with like the operations and the hormone therapy and stuff when he was in his early twenties. But, um, he, he, uh, uh, it, it was something that he thought long and hard about first. And I think that's like, that's what you need as a developing human being. Like, and you know, I, I don't know all of the chemical structure be all, biology behind it you know it could just be that like it could be that somebody just wants to be a boy when they're a girl or wants to be a girl when they're a boy i don't know yeah but i know for him it took him until adulthood to really solidify like okay this is who i am so you shouldn't be coming up to a 10 year old or an 11 year old and going like because they can figure it out for themselves yes and with um, with uh, the way society is nowadays, mm-hmm. and it being more accepting, you yeah. know, it, it, it's not like the boys don't cry situation. Right. It, it, it's they don't have to pretend like, oh, I need to figure out if I'm a boy when I'm eleven, so I can dress like a boy, act like a boy, and do boy stuff. Right when I go into junior high or 
high school and everyone knows me as Jamie instead of Laura. Right. You know, like, like they don't have to mask it as soon on, you know, like society has gotten to a point where it's like, okay, we understand that this is uh, a thing and that people aren't necessarily like chemically in their brain what they were born as biologically. Yeah. And I feel like that allows for people to sit on that decision a long longer because it's more socially acceptable to be like, you know, like if I came out tomorrow, um, I am 100% a guy for sure. Yeah. But if I came out tomorrow and was like, I, I think I'm a, I think I'm a female on the, on like, like that's where my heart and my brain is. Right. It's more socially acceptable now for me to do that at like the age of 31. Right. Even so. And, and I mean, is it even like, is that itself a, co- a, a social construct? Because there have been times where like, I'm a very emotional dude, I guess. Yeah. I guess you could equate some sort of like but we 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 make this separation between masculinity and femininity where just because i feel emotion and just because i'm attached to my emotion doesn't make me a female and absolutely not and um i think a lot of it has to do with personal development and maybe confusion um and whatever decision somebody wants to make i'm 100% behind because this is america i think you should be able to voice yourself in every possible way yeah um at the same time i still think there needs to be we need to look at things like corporations that put hormones in food okay um because i think i mean just yeah, being, that, so, being that, somebody that could be it, a thing like i don't yeah. know how much it's been studied but it could right. be a thing being in the medical uh like being in the medical field you realize that chemical changes in the brain can drastically affect oh yeah what people think i mean i'm on an antidepressant i'm on wellbutrin and it's drastically affected the way i think so the fact that companies can put these chemicals in food and then you're eating it for years and years you're eating it for years and years and years and years and it can have a chemical change on your brain and i think primarily it's being propagated as it's acceptable for everyone to be different. We should be accepting of all people. But in fact, I think it's corporations taking advantage of people by putting hormones in food so they can save on money so they don't have to put quality ingredients in their food. Hmm. That's my personal opinion. Um, I think. Cor- so uh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, you first. Um <laughs> I just think companies Canadian like, standoff here. I just think Wendy's, McDonald's, all of these companies. Because we look at most of Americans and where we should be cooking like quality food, we're not. We're okay. going out. We're going out and getting food. And I ate a hot dog today. Right. <laughs> and a lot of these companies look at it at the perspective of we can save cost by putting this certain chemical in the food to make the flavor enhanced in this way, and we don't know the ramifications of it mentally um and 
again, I'm, I'm fine with whatever choice somebody wants to make, but at the same time, we have to look at what are we consuming and how is that making a difference? Because if you look at transgenderism, if you look at all of these different things, it's really an issue of modern day. And we have to look at the big thing that we've changed over time is what we're taking in. Because everything we take in is what we become. Okay, so my my other part of that to you would be um, I, I totally agree. There should be some research done into food hormone levels, 100%. Estrogen I, in particular. I, I also feel that as a society, um, we should accept people for who they believe they are. I mean, like, not Jeffrey Dahmer, obviously, but, um, you know, like my friend Jamie. Uh, Accept him for who he is. Right. Uh, Now, the the other equation is, is like, yeah, we do have a lot more people changing genders later on in life. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the rate of, like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that versus I'm glad I did that is. Jamie seems very happy with his decision. Um but how how much of that was just masked by homosexual relationships in the ancient times? Yeah. Right? You know, like because the technology wasn't available. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's it's very true. I think uh A lot of it for me comes back to parenting, and I think you painted it very well, like Planned Parenthood. Some people are not prepared to have kids. Yeah. And whether you agree on abortion or not, I come back to the idea that it comes down to education. Are you ready to have a kid? We're, we're perpetuated to think that we need to be sexually active at like 14. Which is sad. It's sad as shit. It's sad as shit. You shouldn't be sexually active. Like, I believe the longer you wait, the more you have a chance to figure out who you want and, like, what you want and where you want to go. But the fact that these kids are perpetuated to have sex for pleasure at an early age is detrimental. And I think that it comes down to the education of are you ready to be a parent? And if so, then you are ready to have kids. But unfortunately, we're put in a society where anyone can have kids. So I have a couple things on that. Yeah. You're right. Anyone can have a kid. Yeah. If you're biologically viable to have a child, you can have a child. Yep. Just (laughs) pop one out. Yep. And we obviously know that's probably not the best system. Right. Uh, I have a personal feeling because my wife and i are looking at having kids um it's a discussion we've been having for a while and and that's how i think it should be a discussion like it's planned yeah yeah but i mean at the same time i've been married to my wife for eight years if we had an oops baby during that time then it's like well fuck we just gotta right roll with it you know um i i personally feel like the in most cases, even if there is a discussion present, people aren't prepared for parenthood. Right. 
Uh, however, I did speak to one man. Uh, his name's Alex Connor. Really excellent guy. Um, just an amazing person. But he was like, yeah, my first kid, I was 100% prepared for. And it's like, like seriously, you were prepared for it? And it's like, and he said, like, yes, well, like, financially and mentally, I was prepared to be a father. Yeah. And we decided to have a kid, yeah. you know? Like, obviously, there's all this unknown that you're just, like, I probably terrifying. Right. And me looking down that barrel, I'm terrified of it. But, uh, yeah, he was, like, I'm 100%. I, I was 100% ready for my first kid. Right. And... I've never heard somebody say that before, except for him. Yeah. And and so I think for a majority of Americans they like toss around the idea of like, well, yeah, I can I can have one, but I'm not prepared or like yeah, like my wife and I I uh we we have like this timeline set up yeah. and stuff and it's like, okay, this is where we think we'll be most financially capable of taking care of right. another human yeah. being. But to me, I'm like, how do I train this kid not to be the next Hitler? Yeah, yeah, You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I, I don't want to raise the next Ted Bundy. I want to. But you were smart in that sense that you waited <laughs> because you knew you maybe weren't ready or, like, weren't sure of how to have a kid. But now you're at a situation where you can have those thoughts and, like, communicate. Like, yeah, I don't know anything about child rearing. Right. But you have Nothing. the communication with your wife that you can be like, okay, I'm willing to discuss this. Yeah. And I think that's important. Like, I'll be honest with you, dude. I didn't lose my virginity until I was in my 20s. Right on. Um, and I feel like that made me realize what I wanted. And I feel like that made me uh and it's weird like most people didn't most people look at it like oh shit that's a weird thing or whatever but i wanted to make sure what i wanted like the situation i was in could sustain a lifestyle i want to have because i want to have kids eventually but i don't want to well how old are you i'm 24 yeah you like you don't need to have a kid right now right and that's my thought is that i never wanted to have a kid so i abstained from sex for a long time because I wanted to find out what I wanted. And the second I realized like, oh shit, I can uh, I can experience this kind of stuff and like I, I understand it. But I feel like kids are too perpetuated into sex too early on. And that is the problem. Yeah. That's the problem is that we have too many parents out there that don't know what the fuck they're doing. And therefore we get your little cum sprouts walking around. <laughs> They're walking around. I call our, them crotch goblins. Yeah, they're, yeah. <laughs> they're walking around our streets, and they're pieces of shit. And the reason they're pieces of shit is because you weren't prepared to have a baby in the first place. So, true. I I look at it like if every single parent out there planned their parenthood and said, "Hey, I want to have a kid." Let's do this. We would have a lot less confusion, a lot less fucking. Momo's walking around because there's so many people out there that are like, how many people do you know that say my dad left at an early age? Like they just disappeared. Yeah. And went out for smokes, never came back. Right. And that's the same with my adopted family. It's like my dad, my birth dad was an alcoholic. My mother was 
druggy or whatever. But I'm hmm. so grateful that the adopted parents took me on in that sense uh, because who the fuck knows what I would have become with that environment. So Yeah, the nature versus nurture argument. I think adoption should be a bigger uh i agree viewpoint than abortion i think because uh, there are certain people out there like my mom and dad could not have kids right right and there are a lot of people out there that have to wait in line because it's it's such a niche thing that they have to wait and if what it, age were you adopted at birth okay and i think that's that's the best case scenario is the people considering abortion consider adoption because. Well, I, I would say that for, especially for like those uh, second term, mid second term. Yeah. Um, abortions. Uh, I, I, I 100% agree. Like adoption should be pushed yeah. more, more widely. Um, but I don't think abortion should be illegal either. Yeah. Like, e- and the, the, it's a it's a really big ethical question because, you know, like a lot of people are like, well, when does life begin and stuff? And for me, I can't really answer that. Right. But I feel like abortion should be okay up through the second trimester. Uh, consciousness doesn't start until birth. True. And I think consciousness is what we have to focus on. So, uh, yeah, and I mean, like, but, you know, um, you're not going to have people that agree with that. And, you know, like, well, oh, heartbeat means birth. Well, your heart starts beating before you even know you're fucking pregnant most of the Uh, time. To be honest, like, every time you (laughs) jizz onto a rag, those cells are living things. So are you going to tell me, like, you're against a, like early term abortion but at the same time you're squirting out millions of alive cells right or or each time a woman has a period there's there's one pregnancy that didn't take place absolutely and um yeah i i mean like you know is it's a really hard topic to have i think abortion should be legal and we're all human like we all we all experience life and we all kind of roll with it and but in in the sense that like a abortion being an out for an unwanted pregnancy yeah i i'm not sure if i you know like i can see why people would say like oh well um you know just give it up for adoption or whatever but it, it's a lot harder on the mother than that yeah um and there's weird things too like i've read over time if you're separated with your birth mother and you become reunited over time and this is very common you have strong sexual pull towards your own like an oedipus cl- complex kind of yeah it, it's like you've been separated so long that you have a genetic bond to that person that over time like there have been situations where kids have been separated from their birth mother until they're way old and then they find their birth mother and they have a sexual relationship with them weird yeah because the draw is so strong have you met your birth parents i have not 
Okay. And I, I really haven't had a need to until later in life where it's kind of been like you, so, you kind of question things and you, you get curious, you know? Yeah, so my my biggest caveat onto uh, adoption is, especially within the U.S. where we have uh, the ability to have good medical care and keep track of stuff like this. Yeah. Um genetics is a huge proponent of how and what you're at risk for yeah um later on in life so i i I feel like if if nothing else that information from the birth parents does need to be passed on yeah uh with the child during adoption because if you have a kid that wind randomly winds up with leukemia at the age of like seven right there's probably a genetic not even probably there's like a 99% chance there's a genetic component to that. Right. And you, you need that information. Right. So I guess with, even with birth defects, kids that are adopted, it comes down to like what you were saying with high functioning autism. Does it come down to, Oh, you didn't want me in the first place. Am I not good enough? Right. Right. And I look at it like I was born with a genetic defect, which was I was not born with the separation between the light or the right and left hemisphere of the brain. Corpus callosum. Yeah, there's that was missing. Um, I'm just happy that my birth parents didn't decide on abortion rather than an adoption. And I think adoption is overlooked in a lot of ways just because of yeah various different things and and the biggest thing is i think let people do what they want but also give them the option of adoption and that's being suppressed more than anything you think think so i think so i think abortion is more mainstream than adoption really yeah and i get it like we should try to look up the numbers on that yeah absolutely i will um but especially with the unconfused people that just want to have, you know, some sucky, sucky, fucky, fucky times. Uh, Good they're, times. They're unplanned things. But me personally, as a 24-year-old, if I impregnated somebody, I would hope that I would have the communication to say, I don't have the resources for this. You don't have the resources for this. This is unplanned. We should try to put this baby in the hands of people that have the means to do so that maybe can't have them in the first place. I think of, uh, part of the argument there and lies in education. We keep coming yep. back to that, but absolutely uh, the option, uh, just putting well, the info. Well, out. well, well, not even just that. If you teach people how not to get pregnant, the number of abortions is going to decrease. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and that's the problem like, we, we see with conservative states. They don't want abortions, but they don't want to, to teach, educate. Yeah, they don't want to teach um, prophylactic measures either. Right. And is it, it it baffles my mind because it's like, well, in today's age, right, with how society is, you can have one or the other. Right. And it's proven statistically that 
in areas where contraception is taught, abortion rates are lower. Right. Teen, obviously, teen pregnancy rates are lower, but a, 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 on top of that, abortion rates are lower. Right. Because the education. Yeah. And it's like not, you want to yeah. get rid of ed, you want to get rid of abortions. Teach people how to use contraceptives. Yeah. Teach them about birth control. Teach them about IUDs. Teach them about condoms. Right. You know. Teach them about vasectomies. Right. Yeah. Fuck. It's not that hard, people. Yeah, I agree. It's the education around it that is the problem. Because, uh, yeah. So. Um, gonna try to make this more of a comedy podcast now, since that's what we're <laughs> supposed to be. Uh, going back to the jizzing in a rag thing. Do you ever think Jesus masturbated? Oh shit, probably. You think? Fuck, I don't know, man. I think <laughs> masturbation, in a sense, has just been the cultural shift of people not wanting to have sex. Or we're taught that masturbation is, because I'll be honest with you, I think <laughs> masturbation kind of secludes people. So, like, if you watch a lot of porn, like, let's say if you're a virgin, right? You watch a lot of porn, you're involved in that area, that eliminates that need for you. So, you will not seek out meaningful relationships with other people. Okay. So, my idea is that sustaining from masturbation creates a need for sex and then you'll find a way to find that in real world situations um and i found that a lot i think the reason i lost my virginity so late is because at an early early on masturbation and and uh whatever was kind of like okay i'll do this and then i have no need to pursue any sort of relationship because i'm handling this on my own and there's goods and bads to that, but um, it, it comes down to... I would to disagree with you. Well, I'm going to say this. It comes down to everything is good in moderation, just like alcohol, just like... That's exactly what my mom told me when I told her I became Buddhist. Really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess my idea is like, if I'm jerking off all day, I'm not going to have the willpower to go out and pick up an actual chick. Um... Eh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, and that was coming from a virgin perspective in, in before 20s. Like, I, I looked at it like, oh, I'm whacking off. I'm getting the sexual pleasure from it. But at the same time, I'm not creating anything meaningful. Um, so just so you know, uh, both in males and females, pre predominantly in males, uh, there are health benefits to masturbation absolutely i agree uh, uh, well it's been proven that it decreases the likelihood of prostate cancer yeah like there's zero question about that right but um to be fair they also say if you stick a finger up your ass you're also less likely to have cancer well i already do that so yeah yeah i've done that before uh, yeah i'll be honest with you like yeah, one knuckler or two knuckler just one 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 knuckler just one knuckler and I, I, believe I, I go for the two knuckler. Like the whole idea of that, uh, there are benefits to certain things for sure. And I think that we've created a society where we're not open about talking about any of that stuff. 
so it becomes taboo and that's where there's like this balance of like there's a balance between whatever more moral obligation and like scientific research and whatever it might be but we're also polarized based on religion or based on moral ethics that i think i think religion's ridiculous yeah personally well it's like the head of scientology said he's like you want to if you want to make real money you want to get rich create a religion and it comes down to money and power structure so we are officially launching the religion of cheap shot discussions yeah just so you know i thought about it we are your gods i thought about creating a religion (laughs) called valueism valueism yeah which just basically just says like (laughs) i thought about it a lot because (laughs) don't be a dick (laughs) yeah don't be a dick so so when you break it down though like most religions that's what it comes down to is don't be a dick and then pay 10 (laughs) percent so so really going with that hardcore like lds model right Mm -hmm. like that um don't be a dick give me 10 percent of your income yeah and then you're a good person. But if you don't do that, you're not going to heaven, dude. Like, <laughs> like if you're just not a dick, but you don't give me money, then, like, you're shit out of luck? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I can respect that. I think there's a difference between religion and spiritualism. And I think religion has been, especially... Okay, religion I, is, it is used to control people. I'm not going to say religion itself is bad. I'm going to say constructed religion is bad. So, like... Is there a difference? I think if you can find meaningful purpose in your personal life without anyone else telling – like your bishop can't tell you this or your pastor or whatever can't – if you develop your own personal belief system, I think religion can be healthy. But it becomes when you're surrounded by other people and you have to pay a membership fee. The, the, the full-on Kool-Aid drinkers, so to speak. Right. The thing I uh, – like if you have your own personal belief system, I think that's totally cool. But I think the second you start kind of putting yourself in this situation of – I don't know. It's whatever. But, yeah, there's it's so much. Organized religion in general is just – it's a means of control. In the end, it's a means of control. If there's four major religions and you're only seeing four perspectives, that's what you're going to see your entire life. And I'm going to look at the Catholic Church, and I kind of want to transition into what I wanted to talk about with the pedophilic network. and Oh, the pedophilia rings? And coming to light with the Catholic Church and how involved. We're supposed to turn this into a comedy, but whatever. Fuck it. How Cheap in, shot discussions. How involved the Catholic Church was with pedophilia and how okay. controlled it was disturbs the hell out of me. Like how tight-lipped they were about it? or How tight-lipped and at the highest level. When, do you remember when the last pope resigned? Benedict? Yeah. It's coming to light that it was politically pressured based on if you do not resign, we will reveal this stuff about you. And the light that's coming to the pedophilic network, I'm going to, I'm going to quote a very predominant actor that I respect and I love 
which is Keanu Reeves, who came out and said he went to a Hollywood mogul party and he said that there were babies in the fridge. What? Yeah. And that these high Hollywood moguls would kill... I'm trying not to be emotional here, but would kill these babies and use their blood to get high off of it. And he said that at that point, he realized he wanted to transition from... Because he said that Hollywood was all a front for pedophilia. It was all a power construct where you go to auditions, you're made to feel like you're a piece of shit so that these producers can then groom you into being sexual slaves. And you would would be rewarded with movies and parts based on sexual acts. I could see that. And Keanu said that he wanted to separate himself from Hollywood by creating a motorcycle company so that he could get out of Hollywood altogether. Really? There are people within the highest echelons of government that are in... And now that Keanu has said this especially, I believe it, that are involved in cannibalism, that are involved in... Really? Yes. And that they believe... They've gotten to a point because it's just like if you're married for someone a long time, sex becomes kind of obsolete. Same thing... (laughs) Yeah. Same same (laughs) thing with these guys. They have sex with women. All these powerful men have sex with women so much that it's like, this isn't enough. They move to small boys. Then they move to deeper and deeper and deeper shit. And he said his personal experience was he saw dead babies that they would extract blood, drink it to get high. And they would say that... Where is this on the record at? So this is the weird thing. He came out saying this, and it was posted all on the internet, and it was scrubbed. All the videos on YouTube were taken down. It was, like, censored. How long ago? Probably 2017. Around John Wick 2 time. You think you could find it on the dark web? Yes, absolutely. You can find it on the normal web if you you dig deep enough. Uh, And then a lot of these mainstream outlets come out saying, like, Keanu Reeves, conspiracy theory. He never said this. Um But at the same time, I believe that at the highest echelon, it's a network that are all bound to secrecy. And there are certain people that want to bring it to light, but it can't be brought to light because it's so deep. I mean, he said uh, there have been things like this last thing. This will be controversial. This might get the podcast taken down. I don't know. In April, Tom Hanks went online on Twitter and posted a picture on the side of Route 66. There was a glove, like a work workman's glove, takes a picture of it and says, I hope this isn't roadkill, LOL, or whatever. A month later, a predominantly successful actor comes out who is working with Tom Hanks and says, Tom Hanks, Steven Spielberg, all these big actors are involved in pedophilia. The next day, he was found dead on the side of Route 66 on the same place Tom Hanks took that picture. Uh, and it's those type of things that make. That, so, so for me, I I question this because I haven't heard about it at all. You haven't heard about it at all because it's suppressed. So, if you go on Twitter and look at the trending topics of what people are talking about, it's almost at the top, but it's not covered. Well, that would require me to have a Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing with Twitter. The cool thing about Twitter is it's live discussion. And if you really dig deep into it, you can see what people are talking about. 
And a lot of what people are talking about now is a pedophilia ring being ran by the United States government, CIA. And Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks as a front man. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel, also one of them. Uh, A front man, like how so? Being portrayed as the media as being this amazing person. Look, look at. Do you know who Jimmy Seville is? No. So he was this. Uh, he was a British actor. Uh huh. Who was knighted by the Queen? Okay. Uh, he donated to Children's Hospital. Had very good public recognition. Okay. And after he died, it came out that he was a child pedophilia. He was a uh, he was a pedophile. And he would take these kids from from hospitals, take them on yachts, hmm. fuck them, kill them, and dump them over, over overboard. The, over the overboard. And it then came out that and this has all been very suppressed. You can look into this yourself. The Queen actually owns an island where they have found several hundreds of child bones. Hmm. Um, and it comes back to the queen and, and England is that there, the conspiracy is that there is a big pedophilic ring being ran out of England as a power structure. And all of the shit we see on media is to cover the pedophilia problem. And you see Cory, Cory Booker come out about it, which not Cory Booker, uh, Cory Feltman. Okay. The guy from, uh, Feltman, the Goonies. Yeah. yeah. Feltman. Yeah. He says that. Hollywood is predominantly made up of pedophilia and all of these they're all involved in it and everything that we see is a front for covering that up and you see all of these missing people report we have about 600,000 people go missing children missing in the United States every year uh, and the idea is that the United States government gathers these people up for top hmm. echelon people and they have these things called uh, – I'm going to show you this article. You, I'm sure you've heard of Pizzagate. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Pizzagate. Yeah, I've so heard of it. So there was this – and for those of you who don't know, pizza is code word. The FBI has determined this code word means underage people. And uh, so secret pizza party book. So there was a book put out by Scholastic. Okay. That is called Secret Pizza Party. Here you can see the picture of it. Those of you on the podcast, I'm sorry. Secret Pizza Party. Okay, it's got like a little uh, raccoon, raccoon on the cover. So the the book basically and goes... a private inge- investigator like Inspector Gadget sort of deal. Right. And the idea is that the book goes into like this poor raccoon can't have any pizza. All he wants is pizza. We're gonna throw a secret pizza party, and it goes into like. Oh, there's a secret stair set behind the behind the bookshelf. He goes into this. Anyways, it's it's very symbolic of what's going on, and it's six dollars and sixty two cents. Yep. Two weeks ago, the mayor of New York City sat in front of a group of kids and read this book. Really? Yes. So isn't that the same person that resigned recently? I can't remember. Nope, he's still in power. Secret pizza party, mayor. Reading New York, um, and it's to Queens kids. So there you go. See how he's there. Uh, yeah, there's a raccoon with a pizza. So the idea yeah. is that 
these high group uh, political people are grooming kids to accept and, this and the poli- and the po- and uh, the public to accept pedophilia. Hmm. And the second we accept pedophilia, that's th- that's supposedly the conspiracy end goal is to get the population to accept pedophilia so that they can be uh, open about it. Yes. Yep. So that's why you see the quote unquote progressive movement towards accepting more and more radical things is so that they can then push so like is that what you think the LGBTQI I think that I respect thing. them and I think that they can do whatever they want but I think that they are a you bi- think I think they're a byproduct of political manipulation for a so, long term so, goal so you think like all these people are like they feel the way they feel, but the reason stuff is getting passed, it's empty. Uh, the reason stuff is getting passed is because uh, the government's trying to make it more acceptable. Yes, I do believe that, and I think hmm. uh, I think a lot of what we see in mainstream politics is covering the end goal of pushing towards this agenda. Okay. Um, especially because of this blatant shit that's happening now. Like, the mayor of New York City sitting in front of a group of Queens kids, which are predominantly known to be a poor community. Um, Where if people go missing, you don't notice as much. Right. And you see all of these leaked documents from previous administrations talking about ordering hot dogs and pizza and having the pizza ready at the hot tub. Um, it's very, it's, it's very, uh, taboo. And a lot of people who talk about this stuff, uh, don't stay around very long, (laughs) but at the same, like at the same time, I think when you look at it, all of the information we receive is through Google, Microsoft, Apple. That's it. So if the political elite can can control that, they can control your perception. It's true. Um, and I think especially the actors have come out against that. Keanu Reeves especially. Respect the hell out of him. He gives up his seat on a subway for a woman. He'll stand up and be like, please take my seat. Um, and the fact that he came out and said there's a pedophilia problem in Hollywood and at the highest echelon of government kind of changed my perception of what we're focusing on versus what we're what's actually happening okay so and you'd have to read through this book but it's it's uh have you read it i ha i I sat through a youtube video where they read page by page and it's it's pretty it's pretty fucked up Uh, especially if you take the what do you know about the authors I haven't looked into the authors, actually. Uh, I should do that. But all I know is that if you replace the idea of pizza with child pedophilia, like the FBI says, and you take that into context when reading this book, it's fucked up. What about this uh, Dragon's Love Tacos thing that's mentioned at the top of the book cover? From the creators of Dragon's Love Tacos. I don't know. I'd have to, <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to look into that. I mean, um, I, I don't know a single person who doesn't love tacos, but... but 
it comes back to Jimmy Seville, who was this predominantly like he would show up at children's hospitals. He would donate shit tons of money to have a good perception in the public and the media. And he was doing all of this shit. And it's out now that he did all this stuff. Uh, and people just kind of like to forget it. He was very good friends with a lot of our presidents. He was good friends hmm. with the queen. Um, Clearly. They don't really get knighted over not being friends right. with the queen. And in public education, they're taught, we are taught that, oh, yeah, England has kind of pretty much a democracy. Like they have their parliament or whatever. And it goes up to the queen and they, or, or the royalty and they can cut off legislation. Pretty much they can be like a veto. And we were always taught like, oh, it's just symbolic. Like the queen doesn't actually have power. It's a democracy now. But I think there's something much deeper. And we can look at Australia especially. They have a uh, – Australia – some of the biggest snuff film producers have been captured from Australia. So like true snuff films. Yes. The guys that will rape kids, kill them on camera and dismember them and bury them on camera. Hmm. Um, and it's a niche with upper echelon people. And I've talked to a lot of girls who have been with really rich people and they haven't really opened up too much about it, but they say that rich people are into some fucked up stuff. And uh, that's about all my perspective I have onto it. But seeing all of this stuff come out now, it's it's alarming to me. And it's not being covered in the media. So it makes me think that it probably is a rampant problem, but everyone's in on it. And uh, the fact that and then there's been some research. I've done some research into like, well, there's so many people in the government. Why does not somebody come out about it? Well, to get power, they're perpetuated to do things they don't want to do. And that's held over their head. And if they do anything that they're not supposed to, that stuff comes to light. You look at that, uh, that person. Uh, I don't know if he was a governor or what of Arkansas or some southern state where he came out with like a bunch of blackface stuff. They had that shit on him the entire time. They had it on him the entire time. And it wasn't until he went against their agenda that that stuff came out. So, pedophilia, I believe, is a rampant problem. I believe it's happening every day. I believe there are networks within every major city that are correlating kidnapping kids to provide the volume and the demand for these political figures. And until that comes out mainstream, it's going to continue to happen. And it breaks my heart, man. Like there are kids out there that are being abused. There are people out there that do not have a voice that these political figureheads can take and do whatever they want because I mean you imagine all of these high-end political figures that abuse kids or whatever like who are they who is the public going to believe like you have these political figures that say one thing and like oh I'm not doing that um, but at the same time 
that's really the only perception you're getting. And the thing I see on Twitter more than anything is discussions. Like, here, let me pull it up right now, actually. You know we are supposed to be a comedy podcast, right? Yeah. That's a front, man. That's why we can say anything we want. Because then we can turn around and someone tries to sue us like it's just comedy. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if we look at Pedogate. Pedogate. Uh, federal court moves to unseal documents in Jeffrey uh, Espin scandal. So, uh, like, if you look at the discussions people have, look, Tom Hanks, historic Route 66, roadkill, I hope not, month later, person was found dead in almost that exact spot. So it's, if you go mm. through and you look at what people are talking about. Was that Danny DeVito? The, no, scroll back down. Slowly. Keep going. No. It's not Danny DeVito. It's just an Asian man who looks a lot like Danny DeVito. But what it comes down to <laughs> is like, if I if I search this, the hashtag pedogate, all of these conversations come up. All of these conversations. But if I go to what Twitter wants me to see. They want me to see RSL, ATL, like local shit. Yeah. Things that are not. And that's what they say about shadow banning is that even though predominantly more people are talking about pedo gate, it's not being pushed to the top. Why? And that's the question that makes me wonder like, what are these, what are these guys doing? Um, and, in the end, like, we respect all of these Hollywood moguls, Tom Hanks, Jim Carrey, whoever it is. We don't know them. We have no fucking idea who they are. We just think the things we think about them because what we've heard. And uh, if the things that were heard are put out to people by companies that own the market, then it makes us think, oh, these are good people. And it puts them in a positive light when in reality they could be doing some really bad shit. And we would never know about it. Um, it's just interesting. It's it's definitely something looking into. Well, I hope you didn't get us pulled down. Was that the Salt Lake Tribune on that? Oh, you closed it all. Oh, that was just trending stuff. It was probably Salt Lake Tribune. But that okay. Was, that wasn't Pedogate stuff. But if you really start digging into Pedogate, you will understand that there's a lot of stuff suppressed. There is a lot of stuff painted in a different perspective to get our minds off of what's actually happening. And I think that happens in everything, like even in the military, at the at the top end of the military versus E1 through E4 are pretty much in the dark. And as you progress, you become more enlightened as to what is actually happening uh, strategically. And I think it's not until you get the highest levels of and when I say military industrial complex, that <laughs> refers to the military being a business and wanting to go to war for money. So I can tell you as an E5 getting out, I was just a larger mushroom than the other mushrooms. Yeah. Um, and by that, I mean, I was kept in the dark and fed shit. So, <laughs> uh, I, I had like, as far as the upper workings, like you, I was told you're in charge of these people. Keep them in line. Yeah, you have your job, and that's why this is so successful. And that's what they've painted is that 
since the military is so compartmentalized, they can have individuals doing small, minuscule tasks without realizing what they're contributing to to the big picture. Like, whatever you believe... So, scrubbing medical records. Well, not scrubbing medical records, but, for example, what 9-11 was, whatever you believe 9-11 was, lowest-level military was not concerned about that. They were concerned about somebody attacking the United States. Right. And that's where it's compartmentalized is that their motivation is driven by something that may not be the full picture. And uh, I think the highest echelon of people manipulate everybody. The public, lower level military, um, like disgusting things. And... It's now, and I'm so grateful it's all coming to light because 10 years ago, you would not have heard about any of this stuff at all. But now the internet's becoming more widespread and opinions are being spread and you can actually look at the data and say, okay, well, people are saying this, like people are saying the New York mayor is a pedophile. Let me look into this myself and determine it. That's what's important. I don't give a shit if this is fake or not. This is on NewYorkDailyNews.com. And uh, Mayor uh, de Blasio reads secret pizza party to Queens kids and the plot mirrors the fundraising probe he's caught up in. So I think it really comes down to getting journal new blood in politics, new journalists who are not afraid to expose this shit because a lot of them, you know, if you're a journalist coming in and I'm a senator and I say, Dallas, I know you know this about me. I'm going to give you $30 million to keep quiet about it and paint this perspective as I want. Just stay out of my personal life. A lot of journalists are going to do that. I'll suck a dick for $30 million. Exactly. And I, a lot of them do. A lot of them probably do. So it's, sep- it's getting the separation between journalism and politics because they can cr- – have you ever seen – House of Cards. couple episodes. So basically, Senator Underwood. Is that ha- Kevin Spacey? Yeah. Has a relationship with a girl, like a sexual relationship, and he feeds her information to paint to the public to put him in good light for political reasons. And I think that's that's what we're facing is that there is a big problem with journalism and government intertwining with each other. Okay. So if we can find a way to keep money out of politics altogether, and I think a good way, Andrew Yang proposed a really good way, is to pay the president of the United States $4 million a year as a salary. And in turn, he cannot go around the country doing speeches for money. The Clintons were notorious for this. They got into office. They got out of office. The way Bill Clinton built his money was charging $250,000 a speech around the country. This plan would eliminate that. You get paid $4 million, you cannot do speeches around the country for money. After the presidency. After the presidency. You cannot use your presidency as a political platform to raise money. Um, Okay. But at the same time, if you pay the president $4 million a year, he may be less incentivized to actually do that shit. Because what do they pay now? About $500,000? Yeah, it's pretty low. 
considering. Considering what it is. Like most senators get paid more than that. So if you pay $4 million and you say you cannot be going around getting money from other resources, that would eliminate a lot of the political problems. Um, but it's that's where I agree with Bernie Sanders. Get the money out of politics because it's fucking ridiculous. Well, um, what time are we at here? Uh just trying to check Two on Two hours and 15 minutes almost. I think we should uh, try to wrap it up. Yep. Um, we will have a more fun discussion next week. Hopefully you stick with us through on to next week. Uh, this Cheap Shot Discussions with Dallas and Caden. Um, and my friend Jamie, uh, I feel like I should try to get them on here to talk about their uh, their transition and what it was like for them to do that in a hyper-conservative state. So I'll reach out to them, and hopefully we can get them on. But, yeah, uh, tune in next time. It'll be more uh, carefree, and hopefully you feel a little more educated or have a spark to go look into stuff yourself. And we're kind of still developing things, like, as far as communication, um, starting to develop, like, a Facebook page so it's a little easier for you to reach out and submit uh, things because e- I, I get it. Email's a little bit outdated. Uh, but we do have a Facebook page that's going to be put up in a little bit more and you can submit things through Facebook, through email, discussions at gmail.com. Any sort of topics or discussions or thoughts about previous topics, we'll, yeah. we'll address it. Um, yeah. Yeah, just send us your submissions. and Yeah, because... Uh, Right now, uh, we're also still trying to find our voice, too. Uh, like, as you've seen, some of the stuff's funny and some of it's kind of serious. And, you know, we're we're still trying to find our feet. So if you can bear, th- wi- bear with us through that process, that'd be great. Also, if you want to submit a voicemail, send that to... So call this number, 385-275-6006. Leave a voicemail. And I can actually put that on the podcast, and we will respond to your uh, your comment, question, whatever it is. Yeah, so send in your submissions. Again, that's 385-275-6006. Your voicemail will be heard. It will be put on the podcast, and we will respond to it. Uh, so with that being said, thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Yeah. Peace. Go fuck yourself.